We didn't freaking talk about the LeBron James play on Tyler Hero in the fast break in transition oh. when Tyler Hero oh. did that flop and yeah, LeBron James just cleared ass. him out and then went in for the double-handed jam. And I remember last episode, Tommy was talking about how this dude, Tyler Hero, is only like four years older than Bronny. And when LeBron James <laughs> did that, I was like, I got that exact impression of that might as well have been Bronny. And LeBron was like, get the hell out of the way, son. <laughs> everybody to the lakers legacy podcast where bam out of bio more like bam out of good bio almost maybe job's not finished but lakers in formality lakers win 3-1 102-96 in one of the hardest fought games they've ever had in this bubble season thanks primarily to the refs but we'll get into it uh, all that matters is the Lakers are up 3-1, thanks to 83 on both ends. Huge three, tremendous defense at the end there, and mana from heaven. Contavious Caldwell Pope converting all of us into Catholicism, or whatever the Pope does. Um, <laughs> I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I am joined by my co-hosts, Alan Riley and Tommy Alexander. I am all out of sorts. I'm just going to preface this entire episode by I don't know how to. Mo- I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to moderate this episode. Uh, I think that's pretty indicative of the game that we just watched. Uh, we're just coming off of that high. Um, all that matters is it felt like an NBA Finals game. You know, considering how we were feeling just a game or two ago. Uh, the fact that we can get so worked up over a game kind of makes you feel alive, right, Alan? Yes, it does make you feel alive and like dying at times because you've just lived so much. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of living going on for the last three hours, and I can't take it anymore. So <laughs> I'm going to relax by watching game one of the NLDS with the Dodgers and just get stressed out for another three hours, <laughs> and then I'm going to sleep for 12 hours tomorrow. <laughs> Well, guess what, Alan? This this had a had a good ending for the Lakers. Uh, Tommy, how are you feeling coming out of that slug, literal slug fest? Uh, both teams played hard, literally, or I guess all three teams played hard, and by three teams, I mean <laughs> the refs as well. Uh, but you know, putting that to the side, um, yeah. How how are you feeling coming out of a game like that where the Lakers where the Lakers were able to show their mettle amidst all of the you know seeming turmoil that they had to face and undergo here? Yeah, you know, I'm feeling pretty good there, Jonathan. Uh, after after the last game, I think people were kind of overreacting a little bit. Um, I, obviously, the Lakers didn't look very good, but I, I just kept saying it. It's just one game, okay? It's it's one game. I'm not worried, okay? I'm not worried. I was forged in the darkness, Jonathan. <laughs> okay, you think Jay Crowder with the stupid hair? You think Jay Crowder scares me? 
You think Tyler Hero? Tyler Hero, Hero with this weird ass snarl? You think that scares me, Jonathan? I'm not worried. I'm not scared of anybody on that team, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, man. That was uh, amazing, uh, Tommy Alexander. Uh, I love you, Tommy. Great impression by the the Heat guys. I don't even know who the Heat guys are. The Heat Beat podcast, uh, shout out to them. Um, So, you know, Tommy, you being forged in the darkness, how did that prepare you for what transpired tonight and the inevitable result here? You know what, dude? This was such a a crazy game. (laughs) I mean, it was just, it was very stressful. I mean, like you guys have been saying, um, it... It really felt, and I don't know, maybe maybe this is like not the right way to phrase this, but at times after the first two games when we looked so dominant, it almost felt like this one was going to be too easy, you know what I mean? And then they kind of shit the bed in game three, and you still kind of had this feeling of, well, if they show up at all, is this going to still be really easy? And I will say, you know, the refs did some stuff in this game that was very weird, um, but... Despite that, I thought we played the better game. We deserved to win. Um, it was a hard-fought game. I mean, Miami played very, very physical defense. You have to give them credit. They just did what the refs were willing to let them do. They gave that. They put forth the effort um, to do it, and they played us really, really tough. And we really earned that one. So, I mean, it, it, it's. Uh, it, I don't want to say it's like nice to stress out about these games, but in in some sense, it it really feels like they earned it tonight. So that was nice to see. Yeah. So let's get the ref stuff out of the way because I don't want to keep talking about them throughout the episode. But I just want to put out there that at a certain point, with the way these Miami Heat guys were flying in the air and roundhouse kicking people along the way, it's crazy. I was just like, are these guys playing karate and the refs are just yeah. allowing them to do whatever the hell they want? They're creating space at every turn, every layup, every three-point shot. They're flailing their legs and knees in the air to create, I don't know, it, it was just kind of, it kind of got ridiculous to me at a certain point. And then I think what took it over the top for me was that play where James Crowder repeatedly kept hacking LeBron in the head and the shoulders. And then Jeff Van Gundy is like, I don't see anything there. There's nothing there. And then they show the, the slow-mo replay, and you hear him get so quiet. That, that was indicative of the night. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it doesn't matter. The officiating didn't tell the tale of the game. But there were certain points in the game where it felt like the refs were allowing the Miami Heat to be extra physical. or They were, they were dictating who could be physical and who, who couldn't. And just because they're smaller and they're gritty and they're grimy, it felt like Jimmy Butler could go into the lane and elbow anybody he wanted to. They could create all the contact that they wanted to on their own, and they'd get foul calls on their end. Meanwhile, on the other end, you know, LeBron's getting hacked in the head. Like, AD's getting hacked, and no calls throughout, right? And then you see Kuzma just, like, literally breathing on somebody, and it's a foul call. And at a certain point, I was just like, what? What are we watching here? And, you know, we were talking about it off air, but the free throw disparity ended up only being five. But that was way more egregious than than how it ended up netting out at, especially because there were intentional fouls at the end there um, that closed the gap. But for, for a long period of time in this game, I think the free throw disparity was like 15 plus free throws, right? And it resembled game two in this series. And to me, that just kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. Um, 
Look, the Lakers kind of shot themselves in the foot at the start of this game and throughout the first half, just turning the ball over like left and right. And that was hella annoying to watch. Uh, I just felt like for a good three quarters, the refs really allowed the Miami Heat to live up to their moniker of being like gritty and tough and all that stuff. Meanwhile, the Lakers, who are just naturally like that, had to kind of almost play with their hands behind their back at a certain point you know just because they're big they can't do the same things that Miami's doing it kind of felt that way to me but uh Alan what, what were your thoughts on how the game was being called and it did it did it make it a little bit more frustrating for you uh to watch in that sense yeah I mean we're stuck on five free throws for like the longest time that's insane dude I mean and I get it like we weren't going into the paint <clears throat> as much as we typically do uh, I think we only had, what, 32 points in the paint or something like that. Um, <clears throat> so the style that we were playing, right, wasn't as physical, at least on the offensive end. Um, but still, I mean, come on, really? Five fouls? Uh, I don't I don't have a whole lot more to add. Honestly, I, I think you, you stated it perfectly. It was extremely frustrating, and it was like – it just it just felt very sloppy and of course like it was our turnovers at the beginning and I'm sure we'll get into it later but it was not like a pretty game to watch you know it wasn't mm-hmm. like pleasing to the eye uh, which is definitely what added to the frustration speaking of eye Alan it seems like we should just call the brow Cyclops because every game he's getting <laughs> poked in the freaking eye it's at least once a game <laughs> like exactly. set the line at 1.5 and I'll take the over <laughs> It's uh, absurd. Uh, all right, Tommy, last last word on the refs here. Uh, I, I think for me... The, the he has most... one eyebrow, so actually like, exactly. that works, right? <laughs> I think the most frustrating part to me was just it seemed like at, at the end of the game, our guys were flailing themselves left and right. And I wasn't so much worried about the actual foul calls per se, but just the way that the refs kind of let this get out of hand to the point where these guys seemed like they were literally physically injuring each other, you know? And for me, that's, that's where the problem came in. And I could see, like, LeBron getting visibly frustrated. Like, Frank Vogel, this is probably the most animated I've seen him jump up and down, you know, on the sidelines at. But, yeah, your, your last word on the refs here. Um, yeah, it, it was tough to watch at times. I mean, going into the fourth, I think it was like a 15 or 16 free throw discrepancy. So, yeah, like, we caught up. We made up some ground at the end. Um, but it... it <sighs> I mean, it wasn't even just what was called, which was already bad in favor of Miami. It was like the no calls. Some of them were just insane. I mean, there were so many plays where we would see replays and it's like, yeah, that's a foul. Yeah, that's not a foul. You know, all these calls that were... And I'm not saying it was perfect, right? It was like, obviously, there were some calls. There was one play where Caruso flopped and and got a good lucky call on a, you know, Jimmy uh, Butler in transition. And so, you know, it it wasn't 100% both ways, but... Man, Miami is just, I, I think it's because they're so, and you've mentioned this too, and, and I, we've mentioned this in previous series as well, the refs, for whatever reason, always let the smaller team play more physical, and because Miami plays some guys off the bench, they, they, this is unlike Houston, right, but Miami plays some guys off the bench, Iguodala particularly, who are known for being like defensive players or like defensive specialists. And those guys get like double benefits. Like they get the small benefit, plus they get the red benefit. And they just get away with so much contact, dude. When those benefits stack, it's wild. The refs, like the refs just don't know what to do. They just let them get away with anything, everything. So, I mean, I think it'll be cleaned up by the next game. Um, 
it's absurd that, you know, AD, I think, shoots, has shot 10 free throws a game or 11 free throws a game he was averaging coming into the series and the playoffs. And I think the last three games he shot, including this one, seven free throws total after shooting mm-hmm. like 10 or 11 in the first game. So it it's pretty bad. Um, but you always have to withstand some of these in the playoffs. Uh, every team that wins a championship does. We withstood at least one of these in every series so far. I mean, I don't. I, the Portland seems like it was years ago at this point, but uh, like Houston, I recall we won a game where they outshot us thirty-nine to sixteen from the free throw line. So, you know, like you have to get through it. We got through it tonight. It hopefully will be fair next game, and we'll hopefully be able to use that to our advantage and, and close close out the series. Yeah. So that's the big takeaway from this game. The Lakers withstood even all of that going on. And I think that fourth quarter just showed how tough and strong we are, like literally strong. Um, Those rebounds that Anthony Davis was grabbing out of the air and wrestling away from several Heat players, those rebounds that Rajon Rondo was jumping like 40-inch verticals for uh, and tapping it every which way, I think this was the best one-for-seven performance uh, that I've seen Rajon Rondo ever provide any team, you know, and he also had that stretch in the second quarter when the offense wasn't flowing where he wasn't doing it with, uh, with scoring, but with his assist, assisting and playmaking, he really kept us afloat there. So I felt like this game was just, uh, by like, a, again, a hero by committee by several Lakers players, none the least of which was Contavious Caldwell Pope with the biggest three that I've ever seen him hit. Uh, in his Lakers career, um, that super high arcer from the baseline. And then to top that off, he had that crazy drive uh, high off the glass layup that he hit as well. So just two huge shots from Mana from Heaven and then capped off by that Anthony Davis three that kind of sealed the deal for the Lakers tonight. Um, Alan, talk to me about just, uh, I guess let's just go general vibes of this game and how the Lakers inevitably pulled it out. And then we can take it to break and we'll get into just uh, some, some of the specifics, but also some of our favorite plays of the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, like I said at the beginning, it was just turnover city, which was deja vu from the previous game, which was really frustrating because I think all of our attention, right, as viewers was on, okay, how are we going to come out in terms of cleaning this up, not being sloppy and careless and things like that. And it's like all of those things we didn't want to do is what we were doing. So um, didn't have good vibes, you know, to start that game off. And um, the fact that KCP and Danny Green, of all people, I mean, thank God, right? Like how awful have they been shooting, right, this entire series? And then all of a sudden today, there are leading scorers with like 10 points each at halftime or something along those lines. Um, So it's like we were just kind of hanging on by a thread, thanks to the others. And like Tommy said before, we were just hoping that AD and LeBron do their thing, right? And if they step up and they are themselves, then we should be fine. And they totally weren't themselves. So it was very, very concerning. Um, Other general things, obviously Miami's not playing their zone at this point. So they're giving us a lot of really different defensive looks. And it seemed like it was catching us off guard. I think one of the most frustrating ones was the... um, the interior pass from LeBron to AD, and then it was just a turnover, just straight out of bounds, you know? And, like, they both looked at each other like, 
kind of pointing the finger, right? Like, no, it was you, it was you. But, uh, I mean, obviously the good thing is that they are stepbrothers, and no matter how much crap they give each other, they still love each other at the end of the day, and it's not going to, like, throw off uh, the rhythm necessarily. Like, you know what I mean? So, um that like summed it up there's a lot of angst you know and just like this pressure that that felt like it needed to be relieved like a like you're holding in a fart or something and then finally we just we let all that gas out and it was great um there it is (laughs) hey well how about that that uh primal scream by lebron james there at the end I mean oh, yeah. that was something, right? The, that Dude, was that him was just letting up it from all six o'clock out our after time, this right? freaking game, yeah. Exactly. I, exactly. I think honestly, I think this is one of the closest I've ever seen LeBron to to getting to maybe throwing throwing hands at somebody. You know, I think yeah. he was really trying to control himself there. Um, yeah, for and, sure. And what's funny is him and Jay Crowder are pretty good friends, I believe, because they played with each other. But LeBron mm. James snapped back at him, and I was like, Dude, oh, Dude, Jake Crowder's been giving it to him the whole series, though, from game one, where yeah, he had him in, like, the suplex or whatever player. on the floor for game yeah. punk. No, for sure. Um, Tommy, talk to me about the Lakers' defense here, because at the end of the day, that's what saved our asses. And that whole fourth quarter was a tour de force of defense, whether it was Kyle Kuzma switching everywhere, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Um, what did the Lakers do differently in this game? Because I felt like they made it an intentional effort to go under screens and just hone in on Jimmy Butler. And then the other thing is they, they made an intentional effort, I feel like, to always have length on Jimmy Butler, whether it was Kyle Kuzma, Markeith Morris, Anthony Davis, or LeBron James. Those were the four main guys that kept staying at home on Jimmy Butler tonight. Yeah, they did a fantastic job. And I think, like you said right there, the big key was Vogel's uh, <clears throat> adjustment to put AD on Butler from the tip. We saw AD, and I thought there was a chance they would do this. I thought maybe they would shy away after AD got in early foul trouble in Game 3. But AD guarded James Harden for like the last three games of that series. For like significant stretches of time, AD was like the guy on James Harden. Um he could, I mean, he's, we switched him out to Murray all the time against Denver. Like, he can guard quick guards. And Jimmy, his advantage is not necessarily his quickness, but, like, the combination of his speed and his strength. But, like, neither of those things are really an advantage on AD. And we, we were saying, I mean, for days, like, it felt like days. I guess it's just a day. In between uh, the last, you know, end of last game and, and tonight's game. Why don't they just go? They should be going way under on Jimmy on these screens because Miami is running the same stuff. And give them credit, they have a lot. I don't know who put together this offense because I feel like I've never seen Spolstra run an offense like this before. But like this crazy, like these guards just sprinting around, it's like very Golden State Warriors esque. Mm-hmm. And anyway, a lot of it is you know, revolves around Jimmy getting screens or setting screens and quick passes that come out of those screens. Um, kind of plays like a big. He kind of plays like a big at times. Um, but the thing is, when you go way under, you don't have to switch it. He doesn't want to take the shot. He wants to go to the basket. He's not like, I mean, he's not a horrible outside shooter, but he hasn't been shooting from the, you haven't, he hasn't been forced to shoot from the outside this whole time. He's only been going inside. And I think you saw tonight, like, He'll hit some jumpers, but he doesn't want to take threes. He shot 0 for 3 tonight. I think last game he only attempted one and missed it. You know, so it's like he doesn't want to take them. And if you force them to take them, you're going to put yourself in a good position where you can hold them to 22 points because otherwise he has such a physical advantage. Um, And the way that 
they have they surround him with shooters. It puts a lot of pressure on like your on ball guy to stay with him. And by going way under and having AD's length against him, it just it takes so much pressure off of the rest of our guys. Then we can basically just tell like KCP and Caruso and Danny, who like in their own ways all kind of stepped up tonight to just stick on those shooters and, and don't lose them. Yeah. Jimmy Butler is like a more efficient, cooler headed Russell Westbrook almost. Oh, and yeah, uh, like way more. <laughs> Um, no, but the Lakers' game plan on Jimmy and the rest of these guys was really solid. They had that one breakdown with Caruso and AD in the fourth quarter that really pissed LeBron off where uh, Alex Caruso, I forgot, there was huge miscommunication. I think Alex Caruso thought AD was going to switch and just continue to take on Butler, but Butler just had an open lay, uh, layup uh, in the paint there. But after that, he really corrected himself, uh, had a... Really nice block on Nunn, a really nice block on Tyler Hero at the end there. Um, and overall, I just saw, I, I really liked Anthony Davis's effort tonight, especially considering the last game where he kind of just ghosted himself. You know, he had foul trouble, but it felt like he really phased himself out of the rest of that game. But tonight, regardless of whether or not he was getting the ball, regardless of whether or not he was hitting shots, it just felt like the intensity and effort was there just grabbing these rebounds and you know really fighting down low for position um so i think that's one thing where that's one thing i really appreciated from anthony davis and i thought he rebounded in a big way and for the first time you know the stats won't necessarily say that 22 points nine rebounds four assists but four huge blocks by anthony davis and he clearly was the defensive player of the game and defensive player of the year in our opinions um yeah, so let's take it to break, and when we return, let's just talk about some key players and some favorite plays of ours that stood out. All right, so we're back, and um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about any plays that stood out in your guys' mind, whether it was defensive or offensive. Um, Alan, let's start with you. Anthony Davis block shots, like you just said. You know, him not giving up on the plays, using his length. Um, us miraculously not getting called for fouls, you know. Uh, the one that he had on Jimmy Butler down the stretch was just as clutch as the three-pointer that he hit. Um, so, I mean, yeah, dude, he, he really stepped up and uh, asserted himself. And like you said, he kind of ghosted himself in the previous game, and today was exactly the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. So um, for this game, it's hard to say, like, oh, he was the MVP of the game, but he had like a lot of those MVP-type moments. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, I think both Anthony Davis and LeBron James had these Kobe turnaround fades in the second half that sure. they they were bailout shots, but they hit them. And I was like, oh, mama forever, baby. We expect um, those to go in from them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, Tommy, what about you? Any plays that stood out in your mind? Um, Just plays in general. I think the... I think the corner three that KCP hit at the end is the one that's going to stick with me for a while. Like <laughs> this year, I, I mean, no, seriously, it's like from where I was at uh, a game, the first, uh, or I guess the only Lakers heat game that was in LA in December, or maybe it was end of November. I can't remember. It was pretty fairly early in the season. And, um, I was there when KCP was, like, getting booed off the court, like, by the home fans, you know what I mean? And how, like, far he's come, dude. Like, I, I will say I'm not going to make too much of the home and away advantages in the, uh, in the bubble because there's obviously not a lot. But one advantage you do get is when you're on the home team, you get to choose which side of the court you want 
your bench to be on, you know, in the fourth quarter. And so the home team usually wants their bench's uh, defense to be, or sorry, their team to be on defense on their side of the court um, in the fourth. So KCP standing in the corner, pressure on. LeBron had, like, taken some inefficient shots and had just breaks some threes, like, and, you know, pressure on right in front of Miami's bench and just steps up and drains it, dude. I mean, the bubble kind of takes away some of the craziness of, like, the fan reactions and all the hype and chaos, but that was, like, a phenomenal NBA final shot. You know, it, mm-hmm. like, people are almost going to overlook it because of the context, but what an insane shot. And from where that guy started um, this season to where he is now, it's, it's like, incredible. So when he catches it and is about to shoot, are you, like, expecting it to go in? No. Like, I was expecting it to go in tonight. <laughs> oh, you were? Well, well I honestly yeah. was. It, it, again, like, I know I always go back to, oh, when I was a little kid, but, like, when Big Shot Bob would catch it in the corner, if Brian yeah. Shot caught it, you're like, oh, dude, that's going in for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at least tonight, it was just, like, my optimism oozing out, I guess, at the end of the game. But I'm like, oh, he's going to knock this shit down. I think, I think it's definitely game by game. I'm, yeah. Like, the games that KCP is on, he's fine. <laughs> he's on, dude. But, yeah. like, so, if he's, like, one for six going into that, that's going to be an air ball. That's <laughs> <laughs> good side of the backboard. <laughs> you know, I can yeah. tell when KCP's shots are going to go in because of the amount of arc he puts up. At, yeah. at times, I kind of want to just say it's lucky because I feel that way sometimes when my threes go in. I'm like, I'm just going to add a little bit arc in there and hope it give it a chance to go in. But every time for KCP, if it goes above a certain, like, threshold that's probably in <laughs> so uh like that's Derek how Fisher. i felt tonight yeah <laughs> uh you know but tonight he had a an awesome fourth quarter in general and i actually questioned his insertion into the lineup because you know we got burned the last game with him coming in and jimmy butler hunting that matchup and i was like i kind of like the uh all wingy all big lineup that we had out there with like kuzma markeith morris anthony davis lebron james and i think one small guy right because that unit was really like flying around the court and really bothering miami so when vogel put kcp in, i was like i don't know but then that first play out of the timeout was him throwing a lob to anthony davis i think he had a, a bad shot after that but he really redeemed himself um with that baseline three-pointer and then the layup high off the glass. And then when I saw what he was doing to Tyler Hero and giving him problems, you know, Tyler Hero is a guy that Kuzma can't stay in front of because he's smaller and ha- is, a, has, uh, is a little more slithery. Uh, that's, that's where KCP's, I think, uh, versatility came into play there. So thank God for KCP. Thank God for Mana from Heaven. Um, Alan, talk to me about LeBron James. 28 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. He was really frustrating in the first half there. It seemed like a copy and paste from the last game, and I was like, bro, what is going on here? Um, he actually, I felt like he made more threes than he actually hit here. Maybe it's because they waved off that one that probably should have been a continuation. <sighs> that was um, so annoying. That was so stupid. Uh, he was two for five. Oh yeah, it was three. clearly before he was shooting. Like, come on. Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm glad that when LeBron James finally decided to take that three-point shot, he did it with confidence. He hit two. Um, and he really, you know, took all of that frustration and put it into a ball of productivity. And he started, uh. Yeah, just being super aggressive, capped off by that uh, play where, and LeBron likes to do this, right? Where he goes into the lane, jumps off two feet kind of further out than you think he would. And then on the way down, he like reverse lays it in or lays it up almost with his body parallel to the floor and he gets an and one, right? That play where he was just lying down and he was like pumping his shoulders. I mean, that was a show of complete like 
yeah, letting all of that frustration out for LeBron James. So at the end, you know, it was an ugly game in some ways. And, you know, his field goal percentage is not going to tell you this, but he was 8 for 16. That's 50%, right? But in a lot of ways, given the turnovers and whatever, this sort of felt like Kobe Bryant's Game 7 against Boston to me, you know, in in LeBron's own way, because it was just so sloppy. The shots he was taking were kind of whack at the end, but he still found a way to, you know, like push through uh, and lead this team when we needed him to. So your thoughts on LeBron James? I mean, it was really more about, like you said, his clutch plays, you know, towards the end, like him having more confidence in his shot, even though I'm sure all of us were like, that's kind of ill-advised, but then he does this thing where he looks at the ball first, like spinning in his hand and then he puts it up. It's like, okay, if he does that, then it's obviously going in. Um, it was like a tale of two halves in a way. First quarter, yeah. I mean, we already said it like three times. It was extremely frustrating. It's like he's he's pressing in a way, but it was it was not like physically. It was like mentally, intellectually, like trying a little bit too hard, you know? Um, and it, I don't know, like he does that from time to time, I guess, where he's he's asserting himself in terms of like getting others involved. He really wants to distribute to other people, um, get their rhythm going and things like that, which of course is going to lead to some turnovers, forcing the interior passes to Anthony Davis. Like we talked about when clearly like it's not there, they're fronting him. They're helping around stuff like that. It's like, no, I got to get it to AD so he can get involved in this game instead of him. Uh, I don't know, like swinging it the other way to the weak side or him attacking and driving into the lane. So you, you don't fault like his effort, of course, but um, the fact that in the second half he looked to score, you know, more often, he hit a lot of clutch free throws, I, I will yeah, say. like 10 of 12. I mean, how many times, right, are we kind of like, oh, dude, LeBron misses a lot of free throws down the stretch, you know? Yeah, um, and then tonight, I mean, he was freaking clutch from the line. That was huge for us. Uh, and I love the the baseline fadeaway shot that he hit. I'm pretty sure Jimmy Butler was guarding him. But mm-hmm. I was like, dude, you, you're giving up like three, four inches there and 50 pounds or whatever it is. So there's no way. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, obviously a net positive <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. And as opposed to the last game, LeBron James was so much better on defense tonight. He was way more locked in. Uh, that play on Tyler Hero where it looked like he blocked a shot and then he was so demonstrative. I didn't touch him. They challenged the call. We didn't end up getting points out of that. But you know what? LeBron was right. That was a perfectly defended play uh, on Tyler Hero. I have one question. So you know when he and Rondo collided going for that rebound? He was holding his below the belt, not like his actual groin, right? Because that scared the crap out of me. Yes, that did okay. scare the crap out. I mean, because you know he was grabbing down there, and I'm like, I don't know if it's the the groin, right? That's like the Christmas groin, or if it's the other groin. So hopefully it was the other groin. And then he was like hiding himself in the corner the on offense. <laughs> it was the PP groin, okay? <laughs> For all my Japanese speaking people out there, the the chimpo or the kitama. <laughs> Well, there was that play, and then there was the Anthony Davis play where Alex Caruso rolled into him like a bowling ball, and he was a pin. And I was like, oh, my God. I just saw my life flash before me, and I instantly got flashes of Kobe Bryant's back of head snapping back yeah, on Bynum's knee, and Kobe Bryant just looking dejected on the floor. I will never forget that moment. He was like, this season is over, right? Memphis Um, Grizzlies, yep. Yeah, so th- those are two huge scares, but I think Anthony Davis had a alley-oop play. I think it was the KCP alley-oop was dunk fine. after that, so thank fine. God. Um, <laughs> crisis averted. 
Tommy, uh, do you have any? Do you, do you have anything you want to add? Do you have any uh, player you want to point out? Whether you want to talk about LeBron or anybody else? Um, I would like to give Rondo some props in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Rondo played like you know, if you were just stat watching a little bit in the first half, he kind of played like crap. You, I think he was over six. Um, but he got tapped on a couple of like, I mean, he got tapped on like three layups. He got tapped on like at least one or two threes all in the first half. And despite that, he still had a huge positive impact. I think he came in and immediately got like five assists and a bunch of rebounds. Mm -hmm. Um, so he finished the game with seven rebounds, uh, five assists, and a steal. You know, I think his steal was a big one in the fourth quarter. Um, only one turnover. He's just you feel in control, like comfortable when he's controlling the ball in, in crucial situations. And you really, really, really like the veteran presence and the aggressiveness when he was zero for six. There's like a minute or two minutes left in the game, and he drives and gets the shot that they've been giving him all night. Yes. And he doesn't overthink it. He just makes the right basketball play and hits the wide open layup. And like, yeah, maybe to some people that looks like, okay, well, he just made a wide open layup. And, you know, it just kind of discounts everything that had happened the prior 47 minutes of that game before he took that shot. And that was just like a big balls, like NBA final shot. And he took it and, and handled it. And it was a great play. Yeah, man, that was great recognition by Rondo because Duncan Robinson was switched onto him. And he's like, I'm going to take this fool to the bucket, you know, to the rim. And he, he got that left-handed layup finally. And to your point, even in the first half, even though he wasn't able to get that layup going, like how many times in the regular season would we see Rondo just pass up shots or not even attack, right? But tonight he was like, I see how the defense is playing me. And there's nothing going on on offense here, so I'm going to attack, attack. And even if you're missing layups, right, just because, just by pure virtue of the fact that you're making the intuitive play, that opens the door to intuitive offensive rebounds by your teammates, right? Because you were aggressive in taking it to the hole versus let's get a turnover by forcing in this post-entry pass, right? So huge props to Rondo for you know, seeing how the defense was playing us and then taking it upon himself to get something going, something productive going. Um, let's see. Danny Green had 10 points. Uh, he missed a ton of shots in the third quarter there that, you know, but with Danny Green, you got to take things incrementally when it comes to progress. He hit two threes, uh, was still pretty active on defense. Uh, that dunk he had, which was super slow-mo, I think we both mentioned it, Tommy. We thought he was either going to miss the dunk or get blocked on the dunk. But thank God he made it. So (laughs) there you go, Danny Green. Uh, Hopefully that continues to carry forward uh, into the next game, the potential closeout game. Um, Shout out to Kuzma. He only played 19 minutes, but he had nine points, hit two threes. I don't know how you guys felt, but... He had some really good defensive plays, but he had some, like, kind of dumb plays. I mean, that's that's Kyle Kuzma, right? Um, But that... The one play you're you're probably talking about is the one where he passed it to LeBron like five feet away from him and Jimmy Butler stripped it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, He immediately redeemed that with his baseline three-pointer. That was a big shot. And then I don't know if you guys remember the next play after that, LeBron passed it to him on the wing and then he shot the three and it rimmed out. And I was like, oh my gosh, if he had hit that, we would have gotten one of those Kuzma like quick burst uh, hot stretches, you know what I mean? But we just missed it by that much. But regardless, 19 minutes, he was part of that uh, unit in the fourth quarter with uh, all those wings and bigs that really 
put the clamps down on the Miami Heat. And uh, overall in this series, it seems like Kuzma's three-point shot has returned to him, which is great news uh, for all the Lakers involved. And even the shots that he's missing are right in line. So he needs to continue to just hit that shot or take that shot confidently. Um, yeah, but overall, you know, I, I, Alan, do you have any last thoughts or words to say about this game? Uh, I thought Mark Keith Morris made yeah. some really great contributions as well. It's crazy how just thinking back to when we added him to our roster, it, it just in terms of like what our expectations were, it definitely wasn't like to be a knockdown three-point shooter for us. Um, and he's one of the, our more reliable shooters at he's, this he's point. He's the leading three-point shooter. He's like forty-two yeah, percent or something. It's freaking ridiculous, dude. Like we thought, oh, you know, toughness and you know the whole thing. Small ball lineups, he can play down low. But yeah, the fact that he's become uh, quite the offensive threat for us, catch and shoot kind of guy, is uh, is freaking awesome. So yeah, that's another guy we got to give some love to. Oh, for sure. Um, and with that said, I think that'll pretty much do it for this episode. The Lakers are one win away from number seventeen. It's crazy to even think Damn. about. Damn, I know. That was such a stressful, stressful game that it like totally took me out of the moment of just like, oh yeah, we're about to freaking win a championship, right? I mean, we're three and one, obviously. Job's not done. Job's not finished. Job's not finished. One more to go. We've seen this team time and time again, you know. Don't say it. I'm already thinking about how shitty it's going to be on Friday if we lose. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely not counting our chickens before. Wait, what is it? Chickens before they hatch? Eggs before they hatch? Something like that. Chickens don't hatch. Eggs hatch. Yeah, we're definitely put not the, counting our put eggs the before the cart they before hatch. the horse. Is that what it is? The Mario Kart before the horse. Before uh, the toad. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what? For one night, the Lakers look like themselves again, regardless of uh, all the extracurricular activity that was going on. And in spite of the fact they were still sloppy as hell to start the game, thank God they cleaned things up in the second half. And overall, they imposed themselves physically once again, uh, showed their might, showed their strength, and they bit back against the Miami Heat, who are so gritty in their black uniforms. And yeah, Jimmy Butler's amazing. You know, this has been, this was a, the most fun game that we've seen in the finals yet. Um, Bam Adebayo's back, obviously. Um, he had a really good game, actually. 15 points, 6 of 8, 7 rebounds, 1 steal, 1 assist. Um but yeah, um, the, Lake, the, the Heat have the Lakers' attention, and hopefully, I mean, here, prediction time. Are we closing this out on Friday, Tommy? Yes, sir. I think so. Yeah. I, I think yeah. this game pissed them off so much. <laughs> but also, I mean, just look at, it's so far consistent three for three LeBron in closeout games has been phenomenal in That's this playoffs. True like too. he <laughs> comes in from the beginning, not messing around. If he comes in being like, I'm going to score, I'm going to get a 35, 40 point triple double in this game. And he's done it like every single time so far. Like right. not, obviously not that high, but like pretty damn good stats. I don't know if this is the, is this the first time that Anthony Davis has played over 40 minutes in this playoffs i feel like it is right i wouldn't uh, be surprised yeah our rotations are super different today they he had were 42 different. minutes he played 42 i feel like he there might have been one, one other one one other one or something but i mean that's LeBron still is averaging, ridiculous oh yeah no lebron is averaging a career low in minutes in the playoffs and um ad is much lower than stars typically i mean guys teams are typically riding their star star players for like 40 plus minutes a game in the playoffs so we've we've managed those guys really well um and uh yeah, that's how you load manage 
Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. All right. The Lakers are 3-1. One win away from number 17. Lakers in formality, as I said. Asterisk, crossing fingers. Let's go, everybody. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that said, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us five stars on iTunes. Uh, yeah. Friday. Here we come. Uh, Alan, Tommy, I will talk to you guys later. Hopefully the next time we talk, we'll be celebrating and it'll be lit, lit, lit. So I will catch you guys then. See ya. Hi, dude. Later. Peace. Peace. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.